Hey, everybody. Welcome to our experience, the ASCP podcast. I am Chad alongside my partner, Tom, and this is the end of the year holiday wrap up. This is the last episode of 2023. And I think if we think back to when we started this, I don't remember the exact date, but it was spring of 2023. The Bengals had just lost um, really because of poor officiating in the AFC championship game. And it was time for baseball. And here we are wrapping up. It's football season. And I don't think Tom and I could have predicted how poorly the Bengals and the Steelers could be playing as we approach the end of the year. Although the Steelers aren't quite as bad. Well, um, that's in the eye of the beholder, I think, Chad. Right, right. Um, Joe Burrow is hurt. Everything is bad. Well, I did send you that parody, the Joe Burrow parody. I thought that was pretty funny. I'm, I know you listened to it. Um, I can see, I can feel the the pain of of any Bengals fan because they do they do go as far as Joe goes, and he's a great quarterback. But unfortunately, you know, injuries are are part of a part of the football season. So. Yes, and no one knows that more than the Steelers, who tend to purposely injure more players than any other team. <laughs> No, you, yeah, you cannot grade intention. Um, <laughs> we, we are a hard-hitting hitting team, and, you know, sometimes injuries happen. They just happen to happen, you know, when they play the Steelers. So, Well, I guess we can focus on college. Yeah, very interesting uh, this past weekend. What do you think about uh, an undefeated team getting left out of the Final Four? Yeah, I... I, th I think my first reaction is, thank God this is the last year of the four-team playoff, and next year you have a 12-team playoff. So I think that that's my first reaction. We don't have to do this particularly next year. Or if we do, it's arguing about 13, 14, 15, and whether they deserve yeah. to be 12. Like, at that point, <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, that being said, I don't know. I, I, I'm jaded, I think. I think Florida State deserved to be there. They're a power five undefeated team. You know, I think yeah. it, just, it just feeds the idea that this whole playoff and all of it is about money, and it's always been sort of geared toward the SEC, and we've got to let somebody in from the SEC. Like, like did anybody really believe we weren't going to have any SEC teams in the playoff? Of course not. Yeah. Too much money. Well, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, and just having the name of Alabama in, in the Final Four certainly, uh, you know, certainly would do it. But I think those, I feel bad for those kids at Florida State. Yeah, they did I feel everything terrible was for asked them. of them to do. Yeah. You know, especially I mean, if they, so, what if they run out there on January 1st and beat Georgia? I mean, then yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, jo no, Georgia sure. has every argument to be in it, too. I mean, Certainly. It's not like they got blown out against Alabama. It was right. a close lost game. Lost by three. They haven't lost a game in 730 days or something. They're right. Number one the whole season. Well, argument. Yeah. So. Well, you know, that's that subjectivity really doesn't happen really in any other sport. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see them go to a, a larger playoff group. I think the true winner will be the winner. Yeah. And, w and with that, we're announcing our new format for 2024, which is sports. <laughs> yes. No. It's gonna be it's gonna be our sports experience <laughs> is what it's gonna be. Well let's recap twenty twenty three. I mean I think the for this inaugural podcast, um I think it was really 
I mean, it's certainly fun for me, but I think the way we weaved in current policy topics and historical pillars of our industry and brought some of the character uh, and people that represent long-term care pharmacy out was spectacular. I mean, that's what we're about. Now, it was a lot of fun. You know, we, we, we didn't go in, into this with any preconceived notion of, hey, we have to accomplish this, we have to accomplish that. It was really, uh, uh, you know, about kind of loving on loving on the long-term care pharmacies. We, we, we started off with the origin. It's good to know where you came from. And, and, and we had a lot of amazing people that uh, volunteered their time to come on and just share with them about their lives and about their, their careers and, and about their jobs. And so... Uh, you know, it started off, uh, you know, with, with, with a blast. I mean, we had the origin story, and then we got a chance to talk to Pat Keefe and, you know, Lynn Williams and um, T.J. Griffin and, and some real icons of the industry, and it really set the stage for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's, it's important to do that, and I'm sure as we enter Season 2, we'll do some of that as well. But, like, knowing where you've been helps figuring out where you're going. And to hear those stories and... I think if I'm a if I were a younger long-term care pharmacist or even somebody with my own business out there just hearing that some of those struggles have been there before and will be there again if they're not here now and these people made it through and the industry is as strong as ever I think people need to hear that they need to re be reminded that the sky isn't falling um the next merger and acquisition is not the end of an industry like those things are sort of are always out there lurking and the reality is is that business pivots we have a lot of innovators in our industry they pivot they find opportunity and it moves the industry forward yeah you know if you think about again we started like you said late april early may and we we recorded 30 episodes and every single one of them was was different different topic different guest and so you know i love the fact that we are able to bring such a large variety um, whether your operations or clinical or you know anything based on based on pharmacy and how that's affecting pharmacy or or, or politics or, or governance and those type of things so you know, I thought we we were able to get a really a, a wide range of, of different speakers and different experts, and that to me always made it made it fun and exciting because we didn't know exactly what we were going to get. It wasn't you know pre rehearsed or or, or, or pre planned. It was really just about that guest and about their area of expertise. Yeah, I like our segments. I think I can rattle them off now that they sort of evolved over the course of the year. But we have. Pillars of industry, which identify those icons and those movers and shakers um, out there as long-term care pharmacy people. We have Rage Against the Machine, which is talking about those topics that just grind on people like PBMs and things like that. And then we have Bleeding Not Leading, which talks about the innovations that are going on. And then we have Political Footballs, which is basically talking about all the political things that are happening, whether it's agency or regulation or um, congressionally related. Um, and I think those are four pretty fun segments to be able to build season two from and go out and find next year's version of each of those categories uh, times four or five people. Yeah, it certainly covers a lot. And uh, it, it creates, that, creates that variety that I think that You'll be being able to build a little bit of a fan base. I had a couple of people tell me that they're 
they're groupies now. They're 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 regular regular listeners, and you know that that that's exciting. But my real question to them is: Are you learning something? Are you gaining knowledge? And and you know they said absolutely. You know every time that there's a different guest on, again they don't know what what really is 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 going to be really the subject's going to be. But at the end of that 30, 45 minutes, they had a couple tidbits of information they thought was was um, real valuable, things that they didn't even weren't aware of or things that they can do to 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 kind of change um, you know maybe the direction that they're headed in. So it's it's awesome to be able to bring some kind of value, but at the same time bring entertainment. We've had a lot of fun doing it and I'm really looking forward to next year. I know our lineup um, first of all, we're going to get a full year in, and we only got about a half a year this this time. But um, when we have kind of starting to prepare, we have a, a pretty large array of uh, different experts coming in and, and people that have um, really, really varying backgrounds. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about next year. Absolutely. And I think we're ahead of it, thanks to our producer, Krista, who gets us in line. And I mean, we've already talked about virtually every episode that we're going to do next year. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some emergency episodes because of something that happens, but by and large, we've got everything starting to get laid out. And I think that's important. Um, and I think we've had a, I mean, I think it's been fun. You know, I'd like to see more graphics. I'd like to see, you know, a sound button where I can blow people up or do something, but that's Krista's, you know, she's going to have to you know, develop into that as a producer, I think. There's a reason why you don't have a sound button. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll oh, sorry. allow that. <laughs> we need that five-second delay for... We uh, definitely need for, that, for, for sure. <laughs> just just the case. You gotta, you, you, you gotta, uh, you know, put us on uh, on pause there for a second, so... Put you on but a... No, Krista's, Krista's done a great job. Um, we certainly, uh, this is new for all of us, so we're all, we're trying to figure this out as we go, but um, she certainly has done a fantastic job, and I, I, I think that um, that was best shown during the uh, annual conference where we were live, um, on, you know, on site down there, and we were going around the exhibit hall and interviewing people and, uh, you know, had some sit-down guests and that type of things, and there was a lot going on, a lot of reasons why, you know, it shouldn't have worked, and, um, and, and uh, it worked all uh, you know, really well and very smoothly. So, and I know that required a lot of editing, Krista, for a lot of stupid things that I probably said. So, thank you for doing that. <laughs> no, you were not. Uh, you were not the only one that mispronounced people's names or, um, yeah. No, it's okay. It was. It was I'm fun. Not everybody, I not everybody can be a pro like me. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> we're very humble here on the R Experience what? podcast. <laughs> All right, let's talk about 2024. So let's let's just talk briefly. I don't want to I don't want to lose our audience from anything serious. So for, for for 5 seconds, 2024. Tom, put your crystal ball in front of you and tell us what what are we facing in 2024 as an industry? Well, first we have to start off the Steelers are going to make a dramatic turnaround and they're going to take it all the way and win the Super Bowl. So that's how the year is going I'm to start. I'm glad you took my serious comment serious. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> all right, serious comment. Serious face. Um, it's uh it's that's focused on the real problem here. No, I, I think we have some legitimate frustrations out there in, in in the industry. You know, we we just experienced from my knowledge the first time ever that pharmacists walked out of a job, you know, and did that in a couple of different states. And, you know, that should have sent a message out out to to, to the world that, you know, it's it, it, it's not all, um, you know, 
sun and roses and and we're kicking back, you know, uh, making a bunch of money or, or, or what have you. There's some real frustrations for pharmacists out there. And and um, and I worked retail pharmacy for, for many years. Mainly the reason why I jumped in long-term care is because it wasn't retail. And I worked retail pharmacy. I felt like I was in assembly line. I felt like I'm, I might have been in a manufacturing plant, just churning them out as fast as I could possibly go. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a significant increase in elderly population, whether they're at home or in a nursing home, which means that we're looking at a significant rise in, in medications and dispensings, and yet they continue just trying to throw throw labor at the problem. And so I think that we're getting to an apex where, where labor is a struggle, pharmacists often feel that they're not appreciated regardless of, of, of the pay that they're getting, and they're burdened with asking to do too much. I think you're going to see errors go up and 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 more of these type of walkouts. And so I think there's a real lack. With all that said, I think there's a real lack of automation and innovation in in, in our pharmacies. And I believe that in many ways we're about 50 years behind every every other industry when it comes to those type of things. And so I think that you know when there's bad times, you're going to have people rise up and and do good things. And so. Um, there's some struggles. I wouldn't say bad times. There's certainly some struggles here with, with a lot of things we can we, we could talk about with reimbursement, but you know, labor conditions and working conditions and all those type of things. And I believe that the response is going to have to be innovation and, and automation. So I think that's a, you know, going to be a real positive. But that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, again, we've talked about how we feel a little insulated from some of that because we're, our pharmacists are not generally community-based pharmacist, although we have a number that are. Um, it reminds me of, of what's going on in the industry reminds me of, um, I may have said this on the podcast before, a quote from Star Wars. I, I know that everybody's shocked. But Princess Leia saying to Darth Vader, you know, the tighter you grip your fist, the more star systems slip through your fingers. And I feel like that's where we're at, that the innovation's going to come from the poor working conditions, to your point. Some of that's going to be around automation. Some of that's going to be around pharmacists leaving situations they don't want to work and seeking ones where they feel like they have more meaningful, whether that's patient care or meaningful opportunity to impact um, the lives of the people that they're taking care of. It's going to be in things like vaccination. It's going to be in incident two billing. It's going to be in um, making better uh, if you want to call them therapeutic decisions or formulary decisions for people so that they get the right medications. I think that's what has to emerge in 2024. And we have to do it sort of in these odd niches and margins where we're capable of doing it. And we're going to have to be fighting for the rights of people to get the medications that they, they need and deserve um, because there's so many forces against it. Um, and, 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 the whole labor thing, there was an article in the New York Times um, a couple weeks ago, and or maybe 10 days ago, and it was equating pharmacists and physicians that have gotten to the point that they're unionizing. And they're unionizing because their working conditions are so poor. Now, in your career, and, and, I, and I'm in my career, spanning back to the late 90s, could I have ever envisioned that a pharmacist would be you know, uh, essentially the equivalent of the, the auto worker of the f 50s and 60s. 
Um, right. And I'm not disparaging auto workers, but it's just not that kind of job. The job is a relationship and taking care of somebody and making good decisions for them with them. Um, it's not an assembly line. Yeah. So how yeah. did we get here? And is this the yeah. answer? And and I, I can't believe pharmacists want to unionize, but I also recognize that they feel like that's their only way out. I also can't imagine these companies wanting unionized physicians and pharmacists. I just don't know how we got here or why. Um, I hope that pharmacists that innovate can lead us out of it. But, you know, we're in the situation we're in. Yeah. No, certainly. I mean, anytime you get uh, national corporations and, and, and those private equity companies and those type of companies involved, not that they're not good people with good intentions, but they they have a focus on their investors. They have a focus on their on, on, on the people that, that hold their stock. And so they're hired to increase the value of their company. And they're going to do that one of two ways. They're either going to sell more product or they're going to lower their cost. And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've corporatized a healthcare system. And we've corporatized that not just in pharmacy, but but in many healthcare systems. And so, you know, there there needs to be companies that come up and say, hey, it really is about patient care. It's really about that quality of time. I mean, could you imagine if we applied this to therapy? Uh, and I don't mean like physical therapy. I'm talking about, you know, um, you know, psychiatrist and, and psychologist where they say, well, you know, I, I've got to do I've got to do 10 patients an hour. So you need to tell me all your problems so I can I, I can give you my recommendation. But you got five minutes. Go, you know. And, and so, you know, anytime anytime that you you really try to monetize, um, you know, a certain space or a certain certain segment, then Ill, Ill effects, you know, certainly can happen. I think that's kind of would have happened in pharmacy. There was good margins, especially before Medicare Part D. You know, we had we had very very good margins, and Medicare Part D was the right thing to do in many ways. But as PBMs and MedD got involved, those margins shrunk significantly, and then we we find ourselves in some some situations. Not all. Many pharmacies do a great job of taking care of their pharmacists and their staff, but some situations they 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 put them on a quota. They try to make them hit a certain number of scripts per hour, or scripts per day, um, and they staff accordingly. And I think that. Uh, if they continue to do that, then you're certainly never going to get in that 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 patient care first model. Yeah, and that article they talked about, I, I had not heard this one before, but they were pharmacists were under a quota to convert people from 30 to 60 to 90 day fills of their medications. I mean, it, you know, that's just not the right incentive. And I, I think we've struggled with this ever since I've been in healthcare. I've struggled with it. I'm a I'm a capitalist. I'm a for-profit person. I think you should be able to make money at your business, but I also think there's a there's a there has to be some sense of rationality about it. Like we're not here to make as much money we can on a nursing home resident. Like that's there's a disincentive that starts to happen when that's the case. You you can make money. Yeah. You should make money taking care of people, but some somewhere there has to be a balance. It can't be about making money at the at the expense of the person you're taking care of that's not w why we're here right now you can do that with a car but you can't do that with a person yeah. so i don't know i don't know where it goes i am I'm, I'm positive i don't want this to sound negative because i do think the opportunity with incident two billing is is there i think the opportunity because of 
the the government's position on vaccinations it's so overwhelming get vaccinated get people educated get out where they are i think there's opportunity there for pharmacists um and i think there's opportunity particularly around sort of i don't know what to call it but it's like intense formulary management like people need some of these products that are out there and some of these products are branded and expensive and they're going up against tried and true generic cheaper medications we know the insurance companies want the cheaper medications but the expensive medication might be better and if it's better they should have access to it and i know that sounds like the dirty little secret out there that we shouldn't talk about but you know i use my dad as an example uh yeah i think he's probably he's probably a type 2 diabetic i don't i think they still call him pre-diabetic he has some weight he can lose he was been on metformin and a sulfonylurea in the past and i pushed for him to get on one of the new glps because they do a great job of lowering his a1c so they move him from whether he's diabetic or pre-diabetic to to having a healthy a1c and they help him lose weight yeah it's a thousand dollar a month drug but if it's the one that gets him controlled, that's the drug that he should be on. And he should fight yeah. with, he fights with the VA system, um, but you shouldn't be fight with your insurance company or whoever's paying for your medications because they're like, oh, it's, yeah, it's better for you, but it's expensive. Sorry. And I know that, so- <laughs> that sounds like socialist at that point, but the reality is pharmacists can be the bridge in those scenarios and maybe the difference between getting somebody the med they need um, versus them being forced to be on meds that either they d- that don't work as well or create problems or whatever. No, certainly. I mean, it, it really should be about the outcomes and about the total healthcare savings, right? Yeah. And about making sure that people live longer, but live you know, live, live live healthier. And and so, I, you know, that's part of the problem here in in American healthcare right now is the the uh, people that are paying for the drugs aren't necessarily worried about the 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 hospital stays or the long term care effects or whatever they're making decisions almost in a, in you know in a, in a silo and you would think that companies that have both the PBMs and the insurance company and the pharmacies and and everything kind of all in run one would work cohesively together but often still not they seem to make decisions independently what's in the best interest of the PBM is independent of what's in the best interest maybe of the patient patient as a whole. So I think that's something that um, needs to be addressed, needs to be talked about, you know, and those type of things. But along with that said is it's, it's, off, it's a lot has to do with educating Congress, right? Educating the government. For the first time ever, I think everybody in Capitol Hill knows what a PBM is. Yeah, right. And that, that only happened because people like like us and and our colleagues and 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 people like uh, Anthony Chacha and, and and other people like that were were Buddy Carter were all you know wave, waving the flag and, and, and alerting and now it, it becomes a very common discussion so something will happen to kind of look at that but that's after 20 years of of, of shifting all these money over to a PBM so I am excited that's a positive I am excited about what's going to happen. 
over the next couple of years. I think if it moves under the FTC and, and, and that kind of governing body, then I think there are a lot of positive things that are going to come out of it. But um, that's something that we can really celebrate, that there's more attention on PBMs now than has ever been. And to me, that's the biggest part of, our, our, of, of the frustration that we're having here in the U.S. when it comes to pharmacy, at least one of the top biggest parts that we're having. Yeah, I think, you know, to your point, I think the reason it's happening after 20 years of fighting is I think the baby boomers have one last big fight in them before they turn over the country to the next generation, probably our generation. And that is <laughs> we're, we're not going to stand for health care that isn't meeting our needs. I mean, they've changed every aspect of life since, you know, they started being born uh, in the 40s. And um, I think they have one last punch left and it's going to be we're going to fix healthcare because we, we we've changed everything else and obviously you're not going to fix it for us so we're going to fix it for you i think it's coming i think people are going yeah. to be fed up with not having access to what can keep them healthy and they're going to they're going to fight back yeah unfortunately there's going to be things like ira the inflation reduction act and, and the effect that's having directly on long-term care pharmacies and, sure. and things like that that was good intentions but once again you know, off. I think they're going to have good intentions with PBMs, but they're going to be just about, you know, 10 degrees off or 15 degrees off. And, and it's going to take a long time, you know, for that to come to reality. You know, that shift in baby boomer population, like you just mentioned, there's going to be a lot of seniors that are going to be living at home. And, and it's going to take a while for the, for the government to understand how to provide proper health care to them and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But you know, I, I, all in due time, I think the, the, the more that we support ASCP, then the bigger voice that we're going to have. And so one of the things that I tell people often is it's great that you're a member and I'm, I'm thankful that you're a member of ASCP, but you need to go out actively and recruit members. I believe that every pharmacist that works in long-term care and every technician that's chosen long-term care as their career should be an ASCP member. And the simple reason why is because there's power in numbers. Our voice is going to get bigger if we have more numbers. And so, um, you know, the, I, I think that's very important to kind of look at, look at how do we move the, go the government? How do we move Congress? How do we get the right attention? Well, we need to have more numbers. And so if, if pharmacists want to unionize, let's unionize as being uh, recruiting people for ASCP. That's a shameless plug for ASCP, but it, I, I believe in it. It's the right thing to do. That's why I'm volunteering my time at ASCP, because it's about bringing attention to these matters, but we're not going to get it changed if we're just a, a tiny little voice. We need a bigger voice. No, I appreciate that, Tom. And I think what, what ASCP has been able to do over the last um, five years or so is redefine the value of the member. Um, I talk about it with the team here all the time, that you know, we, we might be 5,000 pharmacists strong. There may only be 10,000 long-term care pharmacists out there. I don't even know. There's no number for that. Um, there's 330 pharmacists nationwide. But we now have a strong voice in the Beltway with the agencies, with the Congress on long-term care issues, older adult medicine and complex patient issues. Uh, and that's only to the credit of the 5,000 pharmacists that are members that we can point to, that can tell us stories, that can translate a problem back to an agency person or a congressional person so that there's understanding and there, there's fixes. Um, so, I, I, yeah, 
anything that we can do to get people more engaged, we will continue to do. This podcast is a perfect example of that. It's designed to engage our membership and to bring more people to ASCP. And then once you're here, you need to get involved. I mean, we don't turn people away if they want to sit on a committee, if they want to run for an office, if they want to participate on a webinar. Um, we try to encourage people to participate to the level that they're comfortable with. And we, we want it. We want to hear your innovation and your practices. We want to hear what's working uh, so that we can tell other people about it, particularly people that influence payers and influence systems and influences CMS. So um, that's a good holiday message as we close out season one. No, absolutely. And, and you know, Chad, I want to, you know, I know you you actually are a humble guy and you, you, you're constantly giving credit to uh, the people that support you there at your staff and, and on the board and, and those type of things. But as we end this year, um, you know, give me a couple of things that, that, that you're proud of that the ASAP was able to accomplish this year that maybe you thought, man, we're, we're not going to be able to do this or this is a big lift, but you guys were able to accomplish that or, or maybe some things that, that um, you didn't even realize at the beginning of the year when you set your year, your pace out that you're going to be able to do, but yet you've been able to do it. And then also tell us about a couple of things that you're kind of hoping for, for for next year that you're not certain that maybe you're going to to get accomplished, but it's on the agenda. And, and you know, if, if all the stars line up, you're going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that would point to anything in particular. I'm more of a, like, global sort of feeling person uh, from that standpoint. Like, what we've done on the vaccine front, uh, even even with some criticism, what we've done on raising incident to issues and emergency provision issues and talking about the things that um, maybe we were able to do during the pandemic that we're not able to do now and future fixes as it relates to that. I think those are the things that that we've done really well. Um, and and to look at it from a, our perspective as an association, it's not just you know, having Jim Lewis on the front line at the right meeting with the right agency or professional or any of our other uh, staff members. It's also pulling it over to membership and explaining why we're doing it, why it's important, what the opportunity is. So it's on both of those fronts. I, I feel like we're entering 2024 with a really strong philosophy of we want to make sure everybody knows how to do what what is innovative out there, how to become a vaccinator, how to set up a vaccine clinic for your long-term care clients, how to incident to bill. Uh, even if you're an employed consultant for, a, for a, a larger pharmacy, how do you do the incident to bill? Can you set it up? Can we create the engagement with our partners at AMDA that can be the, the physician for the pharmacist to create that billing opportunity? Um, can we present enough information on how to make your business more efficient, whether that's in automation or short cycle or some of the other topics we talked about? It's all a how-to, I think, for 2024, because we want these pharmacies and pharmacists to not only survive, but improve their business and their practice. Um, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to shine a light on those areas of pharmacy that are working so that everybody else sees them and does their best to copy them or replicate them so that their business is better and the wheel turns. So I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, I'm certainly most proud of the team here. Um, we have 24 individuals that work really hard. Um, I think when I say 24 individuals, I think of 
what we're able to accomplish at ASCP with 24 individuals because it's not a lot of people. Um, but they're good at what they do. They're passionate about what they do. They care about the membership, um, and they want to move it forward. Um, I'm a coach. That's all. That's my job. I'm not. You know, I appreciate what you say. My job's to unlock the potential of those 24 individuals whose job it is to unlock the potential of those 5,000 members. Um, so that's what we try to do uh, each and every year and each and every day at ASCP. So that's my answer. The things that I'd like to work on are just things along that same process going forward. How do we keep making sure that our engagement activities are, in fact, engaging? We're capturing people. You know, this podcast is a good example. Again, you know, we started this. I don't know that we really had a plan for how many episodes we would do. It started to roll. We looked at views and things. And we're like, oh, it's not that cool. But then all of a sudden we started hearing from people that, as you point out, are groupies and they listen all the time. Um, and it's been really a fun way to, to do sort of a microcosm of what we do as an association, a fun way to bring things to light, a fun way to talk about them, a fun way to engage members. Um, and, you know, to your, to your credit, it's been fun doing it with you. I think these kinds of things have to be, you know, you have to have this duo that can feed off of each other and be funny and be um, charismatic and be self-effacing and be humble while at the same time doing a good job getting the, inf the information out to the, to the membership. So you've been great. I mean, Steelers thing aside. <laughs> you've so been got, you, have a, you have a Steelers is, nutcracker. Who, who's going who's, who's gonna to win? Uh, he's going to end up with a better record, Steelers or, or Bengals. Neither. Steelers. Steelers. I think the Steelers will. You know what? And the, and the sad part is I kind of hope so because I want Nutcracker a high draft says pick Steelers. at this point with no Joe Burrow. So I, I'm good with that. I mean, the Bengals' philosophy right now is let's get as high a draft pick as we can get for next year and let's let the world believe that Kenny Pickett is the answer. <laughs> Steelers. <laughs> well, with that, we've obviously deteriorated to a point in the year that it's time to go home and be with family and enjoy the holidays. <laughs> so I want to thank everybody for their uh, uh, attention and engagement this year, all of our guests, all of the staff that helped make this possible. Tom, you, um, and we're going to have a great 2024, so I hope to see everybody in our first episode, which incidentally will be around the time of ASCP's birthday, which many people, I'm sure most people don't know, is at the end of January. So uh, we will kick it back off then. And uh, for now, enjoy your families, enjoy your holidays and your friends, and we'll see you in 2024. See everybody. Thank you, Krista.